Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. Our sacred story reading comes from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 7 through 10, and it goes like this. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You may recognize those words. So we are in a series called I Am. We're reimagining Christ this Lenten season. And in this kind of sermon series that we're doing, looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus that come from the book of John. In the book of John, there are seven of these statements. We've looked at I Am the Light. We've looked at I Am the Bread of Heaven. I Am the Good Shepherd. Pastor Ed did that last week. I was out of town and did not have an opportunity to listen to the recording yet, so I have no idea what he said absolutely none other than his PowerPoint slides that I saw and read. And so if I repeat anything he said, just forgive me. Uh, Because if you know, if you've read uh, John chapter 10, the gate and the shepherd are one continuous uh, story that that John is telling. And so Jesus starts out with, I am the gate, and then goes into, I am the good shepherd. And later on, he's going to also talk about being the resurrection and a few other things that we'll cover as we move towards Easter, where we will be covering I am the resurrection, which kind of fits on Easter, I think. So I think we'll, we'll do that. Um, but in this one, we have this John chapter 10 where Jesus says, I am the gate. So before we dive into this too much, let me just open by telling you the way that things work in my family. So we're a family that likes to play board games. Any other family, a big board game family, especially like strategy board games, like our favorite is Settlers of Catan, but not just Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan's um, with the uh, Cities and Knights add-on. So if you are a super nerd like we are, we play Cities and Knights because it's more strategic than the regular version, and it's really fun. We even keep a tally inside the box of who's won the most games. This guy. Um, except, except when we were visiting family when my in-laws were living in Switzerland for a couple of years, we went and visited them, and at night we would play Settlers of Catan, and my wife won like 14 out of 19 games. It was the weirdest. It was, it was super weird. Like 
I couldn't get over it because most of the time she was falling asleep because it was late at night and she's like, I'm so tired from all the sightseeing we did. I'm just ready to fall asleep. And then she'd be like falling asleep at the table and she would win every night. I was so mad. I could not get over it because I'm really strategic. They call me the snake in my wife's family because I'm so like mischievous when it comes to trying to win board games. I get ruthless and I get mean about it sometimes. And so um, I have I have a really poor nickname. I'm the snake. Anyway, I love I love board games. I love strategy games. There are these other strategy games that are called cooperative games where you're not playing against each other. You're playing as a team trying to beat the game. Um, those are cool. I like beating people. Um, and so... Anyway, that's a little bit about me. In this, in my family and in, uh, in my wife's side, I'm also known as the one who explains the game if it's a new game or if there's a new person playing the game. I tend to take in the information of the new game and figure out the best way to try to get somebody new to understand how to play it and play it quickly. It's, it's, it's just, I, I can do that. Some people have that gift. Any of you in the room, the game explainer in your family? Any of you the one that says, don't ask me to explain anything about a board game because I will just make it harder for people to play than if they just read the rule book. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Those people are great too. We need you to play so we can beat you. Um, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I'm the game explainer. And so that's one of the things I love about being a pastor is that I love trying to take this dynamic book that was written thousands of years ago by many, many authors and was written in a different context, a different time period to different people in a new setting that is totally different from ours and try to figure out how to best understand it and then take that understanding and communicate it to other people. It's what I love trying to do. I, when I first got into ministry back as like a 23, 24-year-old, I, I was asked, okay, do you want to do a master's you know, program after college? And I thought, you know, I could do a ministry degree where I get to learn how to do ministry better, but I feel like trial and error will figure that part out. I'll mess up a lot and figure out what works and what doesn't in ministry. But what I really don't understand is theology. I don't understand how to talk about this Bible. It's, it's really hard and it's really dynamic. So I went and got a theology degree in order to try to understand it better, trusting that as the person who likes to explain things, I could try to articulate what is going on in theology, what's going on in the Bible, what God is up to. And so I love trying to do that. So that's what I'm going to try to do this morning with this kind of complicated John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. Because if you think about it, if someone says to you, hi, my name's Jesus, I am the gate. What? What is, what do you mean you're the gate? Like, are you the gatekeeper? Are you like, I get I am the good shepherd, and I'm sure, I'll listen to it, I'm sure Pastor Ed did a beautiful job talking about empathy. I even, confirmation right here in the second row that he did. Um, and so, but I am the gate is a different thing altogether. And how do we unpack that? How do we, how do, we do that? So I'm going to use the strategy of explaining a game to explain John chapter 10. I know I just confused some of you. So first of all, when explaining a board game, you have to know what the goal of the board game is, right? Are we getting to a certain number of points? Are we trying to get to the end where we, you know, we're trying to get all the money in Monopoly? What's the goal of the game? The goal of the passage in John chapter 10 is Jesus is trying to help people understand what the abundant life is all about, right? What does is, what is it mean to live the abundant life? Now, some of us would say the abundant life is this idea of life after death where we get to go to heaven and live with God forever. And that's a beautiful picture of what the abundant life could be. 
others would say that the abundant life is something that we're meant to experience here and now, that heaven is something that God wants us to experience on heaven. As Christ prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that there's something that's supposed to happen in the here and now, in the flesh and the blood, in the matter of this world, in creation. It's supposed to exist here. There's supposed to be a harmony, a synergy, a, a collectiveness to this experience that we are having that we are supposed to be moving towards. The Hebrew word for this is shalom, where everything is in right relationship, right harmony, moving towards peace and justice. And so that that is what heaven is actually all about. It's, it's a movement towards God's peace and God's justice. Love would be the best word for it, right? That we're supposed to move towards love. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at in John chapter 10, that I came that they may have life, have it to the fullest, and they will have it abundantly. Well, what does it mean to have an abundant life? Not just a selfish life where you don't connect with anyone, where you lock yourself behind a, a gated community, and you never interact with your neighbors, you never connect with anyone else. No, instead, an abundant life is all about harmony and connection and oneness and being able to to share a meal with people and to give of yourself and to sacrifice for others, knowing that what God has blessed you with, you can pour out and give to others. Jesus goes on later in this passage to say, I have laid down my power. I put it aside so that they can have life, right? Jesus is going to lay down his life for his followers and even for his enemies because it brings about the abundance in life. So we have to understand what the goal of the game is. If we don't know the goal, then it's really hard to win, right? And so we have to know that the goal is to have this experience of moving towards the abundant life. Second thing you need to know in any board game or any strategy game that you're playing is what or who is keeping us from the goal, right? How, do we, how are we not getting there, right? It's did I roll doubles too many times? Now I have to go to jail. Uh, you know, did I pick up the community card that says go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200, but go directly to jail and then stay there until you pay your $50 or you get the token to get out, right? Or if somebody else beats me to the total number of points, then I'm going to lose and they're going to win. So they're keeping me from my goal. What is it that keeps you from your goal is an important part to know in any board game. Jesus says that this in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So the question is, who's the thief in this circumstance? Who's the thief? And this is where I'm going to dive a little bit into first century farming and uh, or shepherding practices for those of you that may be curious about that. And again, if I'm repeating something that Pastor Ed said last week, please forgive me. My dad actually gave me an insight to this last night. We were sitting around talking. We're watching basketball. And he's like, what are you talking about tomorrow at church? And I said, oh, I'm talking about John chapter 10. And I am the gate. And he goes, oh, did you know that in the first century they had these things um, called the porters? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, well, the porter was the person at night outside the city where all the shepherds would bring their sheep to this large enclosure. And the porter would watch all the flocks of sheep. And then the shepherds would go home for the night. And then after they would wake up in the morning, they would come back to the porter, and the, the porter would be there with all the sheep from all the different herds, and the shepherd would stand at the gate and say, sheep, come, or whatever their calling for their sheep was. And the sheep, as it says in the passage, would know the shepherd's voice and would come just the sheep from that shepherd's flock would come because they recognized that shepherd's voice and they would come out 
and they would go off into the pastures for the day. And so the shepherd would leave the sheep with the porter. Why do I tell you this? Because shepherds go through the gate. But who doesn't go through the gate? The thief. The thief doesn't walk up to the porter and say, I'm here to collect some sheep. Okay, call your sheep. Sheep come. They don't recognize that voice. They don't know to follow it. And so they don't actually come out. The thief has to sneak in over the fence, have to gather up sheep, take them physically in order to get them because they would not naturally follow a voice they don't recognize. In essence, shepherds can't have a sick day. Otherwise, their sheep wouldn't know where to go. Also, the thief is coming through somewhere other than the gate. And so when Jesus says, I am the gate, he's saying, I'm the one who gets to allow entrance or exit. I'm the one who gets to protect and to keep these safe and recognizes when someone's coming that can care well for them. I know who the shepherds are of this community, and I will make sure these sheep get back to the right shepherd because the thief is not going to enter through this way, is not going to destroy this flock through this way. They're going to have to come in a different way, and I'm going to have to protect them. And so the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus, when he says, I am the gate, is saying, I get to decide who's safe for these sheep, who gets to watch over them, who gets to protect them. The other thing about this idea of a thief is, okay, well, where in our lives are there thieves? Are we talking about the devil? Is this Satan? Is Satan the thief that's going to steal and destroy and kill? Is that, this, is that what's going on here? And, and in many Christian traditions, it would be really quick to say, yeah, that's what Satan, that's what the devil is all about. The devil has come to kill, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what's going on. Okay, well then, what is the devil? Is it this spiritual entity? Like, is it somewhere out there? Is it something inside? Like, well, I don't understand. It's really kind of hard to unpack. It was easy when I was a kid. There was God who was good. There was the devil who was bad. So believe in God and, and don't like the devil. And that kind of made it easy for us as kids. But as adults, no one really reframes what the thief is or what the devil is because it's kind of just left as this, this thing from our childhood. And so I want to offer an idea today, and, and I say an idea because it's not like I wrote the Bible, and so I want to be really careful here that I'm offering my understanding of it, and if you come from a tradition that has a different one, or if you yourself have a different understanding of this, by all means, I'd love to talk to you about it or have, have a conversation over coffee, so please feel free to let me know. My, my understanding comes from Richard Rohr, who I think does a really great job of trying to unpack what evil in the Bible is and how we can see it on multiple levels. And when we're talking about the thief or we're talking about the devil or Satan, what we're talking about is this kind of human consciousness that moves us towards selfishness and greed and away from shalom, away from community, away from justice, away from love. So it's a part of the human consciousness that we have that's just built into the fabric of having free will that moves us towards wanting more for myself and less for you. It's imagining that the world is scarce resources and there's only a certain amount that we get to have and I got to get as much as I can to the detriment of someone else. But that is what is coming to kill, steal, and destroy. And so if I imagine the world as scarce, not being an abundant world, that God's love has a shortage and only I better get it and not you, 
or that there's only so much that goes around and, and I better get mine at the detriment of you, then, then I am essentially giving in to a consciousness that is going to steal, kill, and destroy. The other part that does this are systems in our world, that there are systems in our world that are set up, although they bring about abundance for some, they don't bring abundance for all. And so there are systems of our world that take from some and give to others. And typically it's taking from the have-nots and giving it to those that already have. It's taking from the less fortunate and giving to those that have. It's taking from those who have historically not had opportunity and access to the marketplace, who have not had you know, generational wealth, and taking from what little they have and making sure that those that have a lot continue to have more and more and more. That is stealing, killing, and destroying not just individuals, but the fabric of our society. When we're a people that have such a differentiation between the least of these and the people that have the most, we are getting further and further away, not just from God's shalom, but further and further away from being fully human because we're not living in community well together. And so when we talk about the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy, what we're talking about is that, that part of us that's built into being human that says, man, if I don't get what you have, then I might not get any, and I got to take yours. I got to make sure that I have enough because there's not enough to go around. I know there's not. When really there is, God's love is abundant. Studies show that there's enough food in the world. I've said this multiple times. There's enough food in the world to feed the world. The problem is distribution. It's not that the world doesn't make enough. The world's always provided enough food for us. God has always built creation to make enough food for humanity and for, for the planet to survive. The problem is we don't distribute it well because we think that there's a, like, there's a shortage. Or we think, you know what, if I keep it all like Pharaoh did, and then you have to pay me for it, and you have to pay me for it, I can get really rich. Even if you can't really pay me for it, well, then I'll just make you my slave. Then I'll make you work it off, right? That steals, kills, and destroys. They, we need to have a more of an abundant mindset. Secondly, like I said, there's that systemic way of doing things that can be evil. It can be the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So then what's, the, what's helping us, right? So in any board game, okay, our, how, do we, how do we get to the goal? So if we know that this is getting in the way, I don't want to go to jail so I can't go around the board and collect my $200 and buy property and then end up you know, doing that thing if I'm trying to win Monopoly or I can't build a settlement if I'm playing Settlers of Catan or whatever it is, what is helping us? Oh, if I roll this dice number and I land on this square, I get free parking free parking, right? We all love landing on free parking because there's money in the middle. It's amazing, right? If someone rolls an eight and I got a, I got a house on, on the corner of an eight and Settlers of Catan, then I get the resource there and then I can use that resource to build more things. Some of you are like, I've never played Settlers of Catan. Why does he keep talking about it? For some of you, you've played it a lot and you're like, keep talking about it. So it just it's balances out in the room. Trust me. Um, so what is helping us with our goal is a key component to every board game. If you don't know how you can reach your goal or what's helping you reach your goal, you're never going to get there. And so what's helping us get there? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. So what's helping us? Christ. Christ is helping us. How does Christ help us? Because Christ is the one who monitors the gate. 
who monitors who comes in and who goes out, is the one monitoring and deciding this is what works, this is what doesn't, this is what's good for these sheep, this isn't healthy for these sheep. You can come in, you can't come in. And, and here's the thing, we could very simply just say, oh yeah, this is the in and out principle within Christianity. Either you're with us or you're against us. Either you're in the group or you're out of the group. And I think it's more complex than that. I don't think Jesus is like, okay, let me just make a line right here. Those on this side are in and those on that side are out. Sorry, you don't get to go to heaven. Yay, you get to go to heaven. Congratulations. I don't think it's as clean cut as that. I don't think that that's how Jesus operates. I think it's a little different. I think in, in essence, Jesus says, okay, let's talk about the trajectory that you're on. We started, I started out my entire time here talking about trajectories. Is a trajectory that you're on one that brings about good pasture for the sheep in your life, for the people in your life, for the community around you? Is the trajectory that you're on one that brings life, brings abundance, is one that brings about justice and grace, brings about forgiveness in the world, brings about a sense of wholeness? Or are you heading down a path that's going to lead to scarcity, it's going to lead to destruction, it's going to lead to hard hearts, and, and it's going to lead to pain and, and hurtful feelings? Where are you headed? Because if you have that mindset, that negative you know, unhealthy mindset where you, the world is scarce and I need to get mine. I need to take from whoever I can. I got to make sure that I'm setting up myself well, even to your detriment. Well, then you know what? I'm sorry. I don't think this gate is for you. And it's actually beneficial if you don't think you can get in right now. Because if you think you can get into this, this get these sheep, you're only going to make things worse for people. You're only going to make it, you're only going to hurt yourself eventually. You're going to hurt others along the way. And you're going to think that you're right all the time. That's not good. So you can't come in right now. You can't come in. But it's not like you can never come in. I'm monitoring the gate. I am the gate. So once your trajectory shifts, once you are someone who is moving in the place of bringing about reconciliation, is bringing about wholeness, bringing about justice, by all means, let's, do, let's partner together. Let's do that. Call the sheep. We want them to go with you because now they're heading in a trajectory with you that is going to look more like wholeness and life and life abundantly. And so Jesus is the gate that is helping us monitor what's bringing about destruction or what's bringing about life. And so for us, as, as people who are following Christ, we want to be people who are in line with Christ, who are saying, yes, I want to partner with God in that love and that justice in that hope in that grace so that we can bring about life and life abundantly. And here's the thing. For us, the pieces don't go back in the box. You don't get to check off being a good Christian. This is one of the, the hardest things, I think, when I was working at Bethel to try to help my college students break out of. They had a very checklist mindset when it came to Christianity. It was like, did I pray this week or today? Yes. Did I read my Bible? Yes. Have I done any service for any others? Check. You know, have I gone to Bible class this week? I sure hope so. Um, and then it was after they had done those things that I call mom. Okay, that was a good Christian thing to do. After that, it was like, cool, now I can go do what I want to do. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Your Christianity, your faith permeates your entire being. You don't get to set it aside just because you've done a few good Christian, Christian-y things. Congratulations, you read your Bible. But did you really read it? Because in there, it doesn't ever say you turn this off. It doesn't ever say you set it aside. 
Instead, it says, this is now who you are. You are supposed to embody this way of life. When, when the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, that word belief in the Greek is not just like a cognitive thing. Instead, it's a whole, full body wholeness of your being thing. It, when, when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, we're not saying that I cognitively think Jesus is God and Jesus is, you know, died for my sins and raised again and I follow Christ. No, no. It's I believe with the fullness of my being in all of my actions, in all of my words, in all of my beliefs, in everything that makes me me, I believe, I, I trust, I move in a way that is Christ-like. And when it says you will be saved, that sounds past tense. Like once upon a time when I believed that, I am now saved for all of eternity. Great, that's, that's fine. The Greek actually is more complicated. The Greek is actually, for you are in the process of being saved. Which What? The process of being saved. What does that even mean? It means that, yeah, you probably were cognizant that Christ is in the process, is, is, has saved you, that Christ came for you, that Christ loves you, that God has given all of God's self for you and wants you to move towards the abundant life. You probably came to an awareness of that at some point in the past, maybe even in this moment, whatever it is. There is a point where that happens in your life, where you become aware of that, that you make a decision to follow that, to trust that, to move towards that. Great. Also, it is constantly happening in your life. It didn't just happen one day. It's always happening. God is in the process of always saving us. It's an ongoing relational dynamic of faith. Faith isn't something that just happens and then is over. Faith is a way of life. And so when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, it's with my whole being, I trust that the Christ-like way of love and justice and grace is the way to be human, is the way to exist in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids, in relationship to my coworkers. I trust that this is the way that society should be moving. We should move towards helping everyone as we just prayed about in the Christ prayer, that the systems of our world need to work for everybody, not just for some. And in doing so, I am in the process of being saved, of moving towards the salvation of God, moving towards heaven meeting earth, that I'm participating in that beautiful reality. And so don't think that just because you've made a decision, just because you've gone to church, you get to put the pieces of the game back in the box. Instead, this is something that we are always supposed to be about. And so when Jesus says, when the Christ says, I am the gate, I am the gate. For us, we have to be people that are headed in the right trajectory so that the gate will open and we will be able to tend well to those under our care. And then also, as we move towards Christ's likeness, we have to be the gate at times. We have to trust that God is empowering us through the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the spirit that lives in you. And now we have to be those that at times monitor who has access and who doesn't. To say, right now, I don't think you're healthy enough to mentor someone. Right now, I'm not sure this is the best thing for you. Why? Because the trajectory that you're on doesn't look like life abundantly. 
And we need to work on that. And we can work on that. This isn't like an in and out, you're with us or you're against us. It's not as simple as that. It's not clean cut like that. No, let's do some good hard work. Let's move towards being someone that can bring about life and life abundantly. Let's do that together. And so now we can be a gate. Remember, we are never the gate. We are never the bread. We are never the light, but we are a light. We are a gate. God is calling us to be a gate that says, hey, come. Your life is bringing about justice and hope and love. Please let me open and give you access to the the people in my life, to the areas of my life that really need your presence. You know, one of the things that I'm trying to do in this season as the pastor of this church is find connections in our community that I can say, okay, as kind of a gatekeeper here, like, let me open the gate and say, come share, right? Come talk to the community. So many of you are gatekeepers to this community where you come and say, hey, I know somebody, I got an idea, or I got this organization. There's this place down in in, uh, Illinois where I'm going to go and I want to have the church support me. Great. There's a gatekeeper right there. There's a gate, Bob Coleman, right? He's saying, let me open that up so that others can join in this good work that brings about justice and wholeness. Thank you for being a gate. So many of you are gates for our community, and we need all of us to move towards being those gates so that we can all move towards the abundant life that Christ has called us to. Let me pray. God of grace and hope, God of restoration, we are so grateful that, Christ, you are the gate that is protecting the sheep from those who are trying to come steal and kill and destroy. God, we know that at times in our life we But we may embody that. We may embody that thief. We may become that thief. We may find ourselves being a part of a system that does that. And so, God, may we recognize it. May we recognize the blind spots where we don't even see it so that we can move in a different trajectory, so we can make different choices where we can be people who live with an abundant mindset, who can live with a sense of grace and a sense of justice. We move towards your shalom so that we can care well for our community so that we can care well for ourselves and care well for those around us. Because, God, we want to move towards that abundant life. We want to be people who bring about a little bit of heaven on this earth. May we do so through you and by your Spirit. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. For those of you that may be new, we are a community that is reconciling and growing for everyone. And we really want to emphasize that for everyone. We want to be a place that no matter what your background is, what you've been going through in life, where you've come from, or what the future may hold, we want you to know that this can be a place for belonging, a place to wrestle with faith, a place to uh, to serve and love others. We just want to be a place where everyone feels that sense of community and belonging because we know that so much in our world is trying to divide us and trying to separate us. And so we hope that this is a place where people can feel connected. One of the ways that we're trying to do that is by starting a little free library. We're trying to bring a little education, a little knowledge to our community. Uh, There's a Christmas tree out there, not by accident for those of you that are visiting. Uh, We intentionally put a tree out there uh, because if you want to grab a little note off the tree, that is a way for you to know exactly what resources can be helpful for, uh, for supporting the little free library that will be going into the ground once that stuff out there that's white thaws, which might be June. So who knows? Um, I was out of town for 10 days and I came back and nothing changed, which was wonderful. 
So family game night, uh, as a community that is reconciling and growing for everybody, we know that in order to do that reconciling and growing work, we need to have good fellowship, good community. And so one of the best ways to do that, to get to know people, is to come to a family game night. We're going to have one next Sunday night, 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall, which is right out there to the left. And we just ask that you bring a dish to share, whatever that may be. If it's chips and salsa, that's great. If it's something more elaborate, that's fine. We're going to have some desserts and drinks that we'll provide. And if you want to bring a game to share with people, we can do that too. So we just have a lot of fun. We enjoy the time together, just hanging out for about an hour and a half, two hours. As long as people are willing to stick around, we'll, we'll be there. Well, I shouldn't say that because that might mean Amanda and I are here till midnight. But you get my point. If you're playing a game, we want you to have a lot of fun with each other and do it. Um, so family game night next Sunday. One of the things that's really interesting about that passage in John is that Jesus starts to explain this idea of being the gate and being the good shepherd, and he can tell they're confused. Any of you ever tried to explain a game to people and had them be confused and need to start over? Right? Right? Even that happened to Jesus. And that's why the verse that I read, starting with verse 7, says, And again he said to them, I am the gate. Because the first time he tried to say it, they didn't get it. So if this message was confusing to anyone, we have a podcast. And you can listen to this again. <laughs> that was a fun plug, right? Yeah, you're welcome for that one. I'm here all week. Um, but uh, So yeah, anyway, if you don't mind, please stand for the blessing as we get ready to go. May the Christ who is the gate, who's protecting the sheep from those who want to come steal, kill, and destroy, go with you. May you trust that the gate is protecting you. May you trust that Christ wants the best, the best for you. May you then also be a gate for others. May you recognize what is unhealthy and to steer people away from it. And may you recognize the trajectory of love and justice and invite it to be present fully. May we be people who bring about God's grace, God's forgiveness, and God's love in our world that so desperately needs it. Go in the name of peace. Go in the name of love. Amen. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.